Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out a community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let Him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. Uh, hey, uh, a couple of weekends ago, uh, I was asked to, to do something. Uh, my friends asked me uh, if we could take a, a Sunday off, uh, which, which meant missing, missing church. And, and for all of us, that's missing church. For me, uh, that includes missing work. That's the uniqueness of my, my job. And they ask, uh, hey, can you take uh, five days away from your family, which means uh, having someone come to my house and, and watch my kids. Now, they're not, they're not younger. They don't really need watch now, but someone has to break up their fights and someone has to drive them to soccer practice. So that's what parenting looks like uh, right now. You have to pack their lunches and just kind of make sure everybody gets where they, they can go. Uh, to, to be a part of uh, this, this request, uh, my wife Kristen and I also had to purchase uh, two flights and, and fly to the West Coast. And whenever you're purchasing flights, you know how that goes. It's, uh, it's travel costs. There's going to be an Uber involved in there somewhere. There's going to be a $20 sandwich in the airport that makes you mad, but you have to buy it. And you think about going for the $13 charcuterie thing, but you're like, no, I'll get the sandwich. It'll be more filling. And so you do that. And so uh, we had all the, the travel costs and, and you're going through a time change and we had to uh, purchase a couple nights in a, in a hotel and get a rental car. And obviously the, the gas of a rental car right now is like $6 a gallon and no one knows why. But we had to, had to pay that and pay some tolls. And uh, they asked us, hey, if you're going to uh, come to this thing, can you purchase clothes? Everyone's going to kind of match. And, and so when we got there, they kind of set our schedule. And uh, you might know the event I'm talking about, but this was the most unique thing. I got there for the, the weekend and they were like, hey, we're all going to take group pictures um, uh, but we don't have a wedding ring. Can we borrow yours for the pictures, Mark? That's, that's right. Uh, I was, uh, was, was part of a, a wedding. Uh, Kristen's brother and, uh, my, my now sister-in-law got married and we had to fly to the other side of the, the country and, and be a part of that. And if you've ever had a, a friend ask you to be a part of a wedding, you maybe have done the mental math of all that that, uh, entails and how much that's going to cost you and time away and all those things. And as I say those things, you're probably thinking, oh, is he complaining? Does he hate his brother? No, no, I was just keeping the, the mental tally. So, Brendan and Melanie, if you're listening to this, I love you very much. And in fact, that was kind of what, what guided the weekend. Because if you were to ask me, hey, was that fun? Would you do it again? I'm, I probably wouldn't say, oh, losing sleep was great or being away from the kids was great. But the, the bottom line was my, my why for that whole weekend was this. We love Brennan and Melanie. And so if they say fly across the country, we fly across the country. If they say, hey, we're going to steal your wedding ring, that one made me a little nervous, but I I took it off and I was like, sure, you can have that for for the pictures. We love Brennan and Melanie, right? There's a a, a business book uh, that's become popular the last couple years that talks about uh, to to be able to, to do something, you have to know your why, the why is, is very important, and many things that we do are motivated by a why. Some of you in the room are teachers, and I don't want to get you worked up this morning, but I am assuming you're not a teacher for the incredible salary that you make. Some of you are nurses, and you're thinking, I could make a little more money too, but there's a why behind the heart of what you do. 
Some of us in the room are are parents, and if I were to say to you, hey, do you want to spend about a third of a million dollars to uh, raise someone who will then leave you and turn their back on you and never talk to you again and not be in your house, you'd be like, that's a terrible idea. But if I say, it's called parenting, you're like, what a wonderful idea, right? The, The why is what drives the action. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about some some action, but I want you to know that it's driven by our why. And our why is that Jesus changes lives. A life that's been transformed by Jesus will look different. And someone whose life has been changed by Jesus will know their why. They're not going to do things to to keep up an appearance. They're going to do things because Jesus gave his life for them, and now they're living their life for him. Trigardia alluded to it, but if you hang around Movement Church for a while, you're going to hear us talk about this concept of ownership. Ownership is kind of our, our version of membership, but we don't have this just because we want to have a list of things that we can tell people to do. Ownership is, is, is more than a, a piece of paper. The idea of, of ownership is not meant to be restrictive. It's meant to, to kind of look at scripture and say, hey, if we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to be people whose lives are changed, if we're going to be people who are walking after him, what will be some core rhythms that will be in our lives? And so membership is, is more about the heart of following Jesus and the heart of what keeps us on the path of walking with him. And so here's what ownership is. Ownership is spending daily time with Jesus, growing to be more like him. Ownership is consistent attendance in a Sunday morning gathering. Ownership is honoring God by giving a portion of your finances back to him. Ownership is involvement in a movement group. Ownership is serving on a volunteer team with your gifts. And ownership is regularly sharing the gospel and working for that to happen around the world. And so we've set aside six weeks this fall to talk about ownership, to highlight ownership, to celebrate ownership, and to be excited about this concept. Again, not so that we can draw a line and be exclusive, but so that we can say, Jesus gave his life for us, and what does it look like for us to walk after him? We know our why, and now where are we walking together? And so we want to look at a, a passage of scripture today that, uh, that maybe you know. We're going to allude to it every week of this series because we think it's so foundational, but it's Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And so if you want to turn there uh, in a Bible that you brought or on your phone, if you don't have a Bible, there's probably one under your, under your seat somewhere there in front of you or behind you. It's page 655, and we're going to be in the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And... Uh, Something that I've always thought is, is funny, the, the, the church often talks about the, the original church in the book of Acts, and sometimes I think we act like they are perfect, they didn't have problems. If you've read the book of Acts, you'll see that, that this first church had problems, right? But there was also something magical going on there. There was a, a commitment to each other. There was a, a freshness in their faith as Jesus had just left this world and entrusted them with the gospel, and so I think we can learn a lot from the church in the book of Acts. So let's read verses 42 to 47, page 655 together, and see what God wants for us this morning. Verse 42 says this, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, And shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, 
and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. There's something special happening in those verses, something special in that passage. And I think what we're seeing is, is just this, just Jesus-centered community. I read a, a quote a couple of weeks ago that said, Community is an instrument of worship, a weapon against sin, and a tool for evangelism, all for the exaltation of Jesus. The, the church's job is to be Jesus-centered community for the exaltation of Jesus. And, and so when that is happening in a healthy way, in a correct way, in a right way, we're able to see that unfold, and it, it's magnetic. But how does that happen, and why is that important? Why would we look at this passage in this church and say, man, they're, they, they're doing something right, they're doing something good? Well, I think if you go back to verse 42 there, you, you can see it. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. This church was meeting together and being taught from God's word. They weren't getting together and talking about the weather. They weren't talking about how happy they were that Nick Saban lost. But I wanted to message that this morning. I wanted to mention that because it just made me happy, right? They, they weren't talking about who had a walk-off home run or whatever. They were focused on God's word. And we love to talk about the weather and sports and other things, but we know that there's, there's something different between God's word and God's truth and, and all those other things because God meets us in his word. God meets the church in his word and he meets us through the teaching of his word. And so we're not just getting together to talk about Aesop's fables. We're not doing chicken soup for the soul. Scripture tells us that the word of God is living and active and penetrates our hearts and our souls. And so when we get together, when we gather for the teaching of God's word, something different is happening. God meets us there. Scripture tells us that when God's people gather, where two or three are gathered in his name, God is there. And so it's funny that we read this and we think like, wow, there's something really special there. And, and God's probably like, yeah, it's all the combination of the things I've told you. I'm going to meet you in the teaching of my word. I'm going to meet you when you gather as the church. I'm going to meet you when people are together. God meets us when we follow his commands, when we follow his ordinances, when we do what he says and when we're together, God is there and he's with us. And God meets us when we set aside time to talk to him, to surrender to him, to pray to him individually and corporately. And when we rely on him and when we listen to him, God is there. So what's happening that's incredible in this first church? What's happening in this passage that's incredible? When the church gathers, we experience God's presence. You'll notice I didn't say when the church in Acts gathers, they experience God's presence because that goes forward. That is still available for you and I, and that happens when we are together. That happens when we gather. That is a timeless truth. When the church gathers, we experience God's presence. Verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. When the church is together, when God is, is empowering the church as they meet, as there's teaching and there's prayer and there's reliance on God, when the church is listening to God, there's something special taking place and there's a, a feeling of reverential respect mixed with fear and wonder. 
There were moments growing up that I wasn't sure how I felt about my dad. Sometimes I thought my dad was awesome. Sometimes I was terrified of him. And I know the the metaphor of dads can fall short. Some of us didn't have a great relationship with our dads, maybe didn't know our fathers. But the way that God set up the family is that there is a correlation with our Heavenly Father. And so there will be moments that we think like, all right, I'm understanding what God is doing. There will be moments that we're confused by what God is doing. There might even be moments that we're, we're terrified about what God is doing. There will be moments of awe and wonder, and sometimes we're like, I'm not sure about that. I'm kind of scared of this guy, and that's okay. But when the church is together, there's a reverential, deep, solemn respect when our eyes are focused on God and on what he's doing. When the church functions as it should, when the church is gathering, we experience God's presence as it was designed. And that means we're not just experiencing these warm, fuzzy feelings. We're experiencing something deep, something miraculous, something humbling, and something that demands our respect. And we may not always have terms for that. We may not always have the right response. But when we're gathered together and our eyes are focused on God, we're going to understand some of these things. There will be weeks that you'll, you'll think, man, I, I don't even know what to say. I'm just in awe. I feel wonder. I feel respect. I, I feel something deep in my soul. This church was experienced signs and wonders and Probably even everyday miracles, things that we see, things that we overlook, things that we take for granted. From the perspective that I have, I, I love to think of the everyday miracles of this church. I, I love when I, I just look at the door and people are walking in that I don't know. And on one hand, that's terrifying because I'm afraid they'll come up to me and be like, hey, Mark, how are you? And I'll be like, hey there, friend, or something like that, right? But, but I remember when Movement Church was 21 people in a classroom. I remember when I knew everyone's birthday and shoe size, and we wondered, will anyone ever show up to this place? And so the fact that there's two services, and there's multiple people, and there's people I don't know, I think is a miracle of God. I remember when I led half of the movement groups of this church. It was one. There were two total. And I, I love... I love getting reports from Trigg every week when he's talking about these 20 groups and all over the city and leaders and apprentices and people and things God's doing and he'll mention a name and I'm like, I don't know who that person is and I'm so excited to not know who that person is. I love what God is doing and I think that's a miracle that we take for granted when we see growth and multiplication. We watched a video last week from one of the churches that we've planted and I think sometimes we forget about that or we gloss over that, that God did that. God multiplied the people. God sent the people. God had the money to do that and let us be entrusted with that. God has done that and that's an everyday miracle. I think of the things that God is doing in our midst, the things that draw us to respect, that draw us to awe and draw us to wonder and make us say, God, you are amazing. See, when the church gathers, we experience God's power. We may not always have our our lens ready for that. We may not always be excited about that. Sometimes our hearts are in the wrong place. Sometimes we're just having a tough season. But when the church gathers, we experience God's power. And we see that in our midst. And we see that as we're in the presence of God. What an incredible thing that is. Verse 44 says this, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, 
and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. God has designed the church with a mission. God has designed the church to accomplish his plan for walking in the blessings that he has for us as his children and as his church. And so being together in one place might not seem like a a big deal. And being together and worshiping together and being in awe of what he's doing and seeing these everyday miracles might not seem like a big deal. But we look at this church and we think like, wow, there was something different there because they were sharing everything. They were selling possessions. When we share things and, and we provide for others, when God provides through us, it reminds us that he provides and it reminds us that he's teaching us to be generous and to be selfless and it reminds us that he's stripping us of, of the things that distract us, the things that we make into God's. Worshiping together helps us to be shaped by God's word and his truth and it reminds us that God is bigger than us. It helps us see and experience him in new ways, in ways that we forget when our eyes are just on ourselves and our own lives. When we're showing each other hospitality, when we're doing small things, entertaining in our homes and making food for others, it calls us to be others focused. When you make a sandwich for yourself, You don't have to think too much about that because you're like, I'm going to eat it no matter what. When you're making a sandwich for someone else, you think this has to be impressive and have to fold the meat and cheese a certain way and the presentation has to be there. And that's a, a funny thing to say. But sometimes, most of the time, all the time, it's good for us to be others focused, to be reminded that others matter. And so we accept these blessings that God has built into the culture of his church as we gather. And we see in this passage that it brings joy. We see that being together lets us enjoy God's presence and lets us enjoy God through each other and his presence in each other. It lets us act in his purposes. See, when the church gathers, we experience God's purpose. We experience the mission of the church. We experience the acts of the church. We experience what God intended us to be for each other. And sometimes we overlook that. Sometimes we take that for granted. Sometimes we don't think that's a big deal. But if we step back and we look at it, it's amazing and it's what God designed. The gathering of the church points us to God's presence, power, and purpose. See, when the family of God gathers, when the family of God gets together, when the family of God is in the same room with each other, that's special. All families have blessings, and we're seeing those blessings. We're seeing that when we experience God's presence through teaching and worship and fellowship and prayer and relying on him, it's It's powerful. And when, we, when we're seeing God's power, we're, we're in awe of him, we're seeing miracles, we're seeing signs and wonders, and we're, ex, we're just ex, experiencing a deep wonder and a deep respect that we can't put words around. And when we're living in God's purpose, when we're living togetherness, and we're sharing, and we're showing sacrifice, and we're, we're being joyful, we're being generous, and we're showing goodwill to one another, it brings us to a place that normal life cannot. There are blessings in God's family. 
But I want to say this today, that joining God's family means embracing blessings and responsibilities. See, everyone is welcome in the family of God. Everyone is welcome to join God's family, but joining God's family means embracing blessings and responsibilities, and we don't always like that, and you're probably starting to do the mental math, and you're like, all right, there's the catch. I knew there was a catch. I don't, I don't think it's a, a catch. I think it's just the reality of, of life. Do you know what they call people? who don't embrace responsibilities? Children. I have four of them, right? That's what they call them, right? And I'm, I'm not making a, a cheap shot at us, but when we don't embrace responsibilities, sometimes that's maybe uh, having a little in common with, with immaturity, right? I mean, who are the people at, at your house who empty the trash? I'm not trying to start a fight in your marriage, all right? But I'm just saying, like, for the most part, the kids don't empty the trash. And who are the people that don't realize they've left 19 pairs of shoes by the door? And who are the people that don't remember that they need to wear a uniform to their soccer game and will just walk out the door shirtless in a coat or something, right? That's, that's your kids. They're not embracing responsibility. They don't pay bills. They don't mow the yard. They don't do much, but we love them. But maturity means embracing responsibility and not just blessings. I read a quote from a guy named Willie Jennings a couple weeks ago, and it said, In the book of Acts, almost no one is doing what they want to do. You look at the gospel exploding and the church starting and the church being sent and planted and established in all these other places, and God is doing some incredible things, but it usually wasn't that people were like, hey, this is what I have to do, this is what I want to do. They were just sent and compelled by the gospel. I don't know that it says that everyone wanted to share their possessions. Maybe, maybe they sort of did, but I'm sure they were human like us, and there were moments that they were like, wait, if I share my possessions with that guy, he's just going to squander him. He doesn't know how to manage life and money and things, and I don't want to do that. And what do you mean I have to leave my family and my home and go plant a church or start a church or take the gospel to this dangerous place? We see the blessings in the book of Acts, and we just assume that everything was perfect all the time. These were humans also, and they were probably doing things that they didn't want to do all the time. That's what it means to be compelled by the gospel, though. That's what it means to be compelled by the love of God. That's what it means to be compelled with a why that is the way he's transformed our hearts and our lives. Every family has blessings and responsibilities. Where I'm from, most of my friends' families were were farmers. And so my first car was an 84 Mustang that had two softball-sized rust holes in the door, and I wasn't too pumped about that. Most of my friends, their first car was a $40,000 Ford truck because they would ride it off on the family farm and then tow a wagon once a month with it, and somehow they got a really nice truck, and I had an 84 Mustang, right? And I could be bitter about that, and maybe some of you would say that I am because I'm still talking about it 20 years later, but, but here's my point. If you grow up in a farm family, there is blessing and responsibility. What's the blessing? You get a $40,000 truck that someone's going to write off and give to you. But here's the responsibility. In the summer, I would go camping with my family. Do you know what my friends would do? Work. Every day, all day. And when they would roll up to soccer practice, I'm like, oh, somebody's got a new truck. And they're like, I make 10 cents an hour. I've done the math, how much I have to work with my family. I make 10 cents an hour to pay for this truck. Do you, would you like to come to my house and make 10 cents an hour? And I'm like, no, I'll keep the 84 Mustang. I can, I can, I can be happy with that. Right? In, in every family, there are blessings and responsibilities. And part of being in God's family just means that we have a responsibility 
to show up for each other. We have a responsibility to be present for each other. We have a responsibility to gather together with each other because that's when we see God's presence, God's power, and God's purpose. And if we don't show up for each other, if we're not there for each other, we're compromising what God has for us. Romans 12, 4-5 says, Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. That's a sobering reality to know that you have a responsibility to the people that you're in community with. You have a responsibility to the people that you are in the body of Christ and the church with and you belong to them and they belong to you and you cannot step away from that responsibility. Is there a little bit of weight to that? Yes, but there's also blessing, and that's what it means to be in a family. Blessing and responsibility. 1 Peter 4, 8-9 says this, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. See, in our gifts and in our blessings, God didn't just give them for fun. He gave them to us so that we could bless each other, so that we could serve each other, because we belong to each other. Families have blessings and responsibilities. Ephesians 4.13 says this, Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That verse is talking about when we use our gifts and when we function as the body of Christ, when we function in community, when we function as the church as God has created, we will see a full picture of God and we can embody the fullness of God. And that's a gift That's a a blessing, and some of us may call it a curse because, let's be honest, there are moments that we don't want to gather. There are moments that we don't want to be together. There are moments we don't feel like we belong. There are moments we don't feel like we're on the same page. German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said this, The church is not a religious community of worshipers of Christ, but is Christ himself who is taken from among the people. Christ himself. I was reading the thoughts of a a pastor named Rich Velotas the other day on this, and he said this. He said, these words from German theologian Bonhoeffer shouldn't have surprised me when I first read them. One of the primary metaphors of the church is, quote, the body of Christ. But that metaphor, at least for me, was usually situated in the context of spiritual gifts, as in we all have to play a part in the church and someone has to volunteer. But when I read Christ himself for the first time, it hit different. Bonhoeffer saw in the church a mystical and sacramental reality rooted in the ordinariness of humanity. The church is not some society of disjointed members, but members of a whole God who has chosen to show up in our lives together. Christ himself. Christ is not some far-removed dimension face-palming as he observes the contradictions and incongruous nature of our lives. Far from it. Christ ascended to the Father only to humbly descend back to his people through the Spirit to take form through us. Not in just one of us, but in all of us as people. Christ himself. This word is to produce awe in us as our incredible God makes his divine presence plain. It's to produce humility inside of us because Christ saw fit to abide in and and not only that, manifest his embodied nature through our own flesh and blood. This word is to produce love in us because if the church is the body, we dare not cannibalize it ourselves. When we devour each other through gossip and slander and condemnation, we sink our sharp teeth into the flesh of Christ. 
Not in Eucharistic worship, but in fleshly fallenness. The resurrected one sits at the right hand of the Father, but somehow has taken form among his people. What a mystery this is. Christ himself. And so when we talk about being together as the church, when we talk about gathering together as the church, when we talk about the community that we can have as the church, this is not a fun concept. This is not just something that we're saying. It's, it's light and we don't have to think about it. This is a blessing and this is a responsibility. And yes, life is tough. Yes, our, our schedules get in the way. Our schedules pull us away. Our responsibilities in other areas pull us away. And we may not always feel like we want to rise up to the responsibility of the body of Christ and to community and to the church. And we may have fatigue. We may have church hurts. We may have things that we have to put behind us and things we need to realize. There's a man named Henry Seeley that said this. He said, I don't go to church because I like the style of music. I go to church to enter the worship of heaven that has been going on for all eternity. And I understand the significance of doing that corporately with other believers. I don't go to church because I like the preacher's personality, but because I desire to grow in the things of God. I don't go to church because I have a lot of things in common with people there, but because we have the most important thing in common, a love for Jesus. And that love translates to rich community, a rich community of diversity that transcends the boundaries of my self-focused kingdom of comfort. I don't skip church when I don't feel like going because I want my kids to know how important the house of God is to us as a family. And I know as I, as I read that, that has a certain bite to it and I don't want that to just come across as a guilt trip because I want us to remember that we have a why. Jesus came and gave his life for us. Jesus gave his life. He laid down his life for us and he transforms our hearts and our lives. And so I hope that you are motivated by that. I hope that you're motivated by the picture he paints of his church and what we can be for each other. I hope you know that, that church and, and involvement at church and gathering at church and anything involving movement church isn't about guilt or performance or attendance. It's about experiencing God's blessing and embracing the responsibility so that we can experience his presence, his power, and his purpose. When our eyes are on Jesus... Most of the time, it will come natural to love his church. And when we're not motivated to love his church, I think we have to self-audit and say, are my eyes on Jesus right now? If our eyes are just on attendance or just on the fact that people expect us to be there or, or that we want to be able to call our mom on Sunday afternoon and say, oh, I went to church, I really like this place, then our, our eyes and our heart are in the wrong spot. Our eyes have to be on Jesus and we have to be motivated to love his church. The church is meant to be a Jesus-centered community that exalts his name. The church is meant to gather together so that we can experience God's presence, God's power, and God's purpose. And joining God's family means that we will experience blessing, but it also means that we get to, ex get to say, Lord, I, I lay down my own desires and I embrace the responsibilities of loving your church, loving this community, and letting others see your character, letting others see you in the way I love them and the way that I act. Let's pray together. God, thank you that when we were lost, when we were separated from you, you sent your one and only son, Jesus, Lord, not because we deserve it, but because out of grace and mercy, 
you acted on our behalf and, and gave us a relationship that we were created to have and couldn't have. God, thank you that in that plan, you gave us community, you gave us each other, Lord. You gave us Christ himself in the form of each other when we gather as a church and we experience who you are. Lord, that's not always perfect. Our hearts and our motives are not always in the right place, Lord, but help us be driven by our why. Help us know that we are gathering together to honor you and experience you and to see the world changed because of you. God, we want to be a a place, we want to be a community where we own our faith and own our walk. So we want to be committed to, to gathering together. Even the moments that we're busy, even the moments that we're tired, even the moments that we feel faint, our souls are weary, and we feel like we've been hurt. God, help us to gather together because we want to love you and we want to love each other as you. God, be with us now as we respond in worship. It's in your name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.